So what I'm trying to say is it's okay if you don't have a specific program or a specific role for adoption, but still uh, know these metrics and have these insights. So go talk to your product managers, get all usage metrics from them, look at it, and that's going to make a lot of difference in how you do product marketing in the future. You are listening to This is Product Marketing, brought to you by Product Marketing Hive, the product marketing community that gives back. And I'm your host, Louise Liu. In this episode, Janaki Nori, Product Marketing Manager at Imagine Group, shared her experience in driving product adoption program. Let's dive into it right now. Welcome to the show, Janaki. So let's get started with a, a short introduction of yours. How did you get into product marketing? Thank you so much, Louis. Thank you for having me. Uh, so how did I get into product marketing? I think at least for about a year, I didn't even know I was doing product marketing uh, because my title said I'm a marketing analyst, but I was working for a software company. I was writing landing pages. I was writing blogs. I was connecting webinars, but I didn't really know what I was doing. I was on the lines of product marketing until about an year. And that's when I discovered the whole uh, product marketing as a function. And then I started to learn more and more about it. And every company have their own version of product marketing. It, it's different, literally in every company. Okay, there are a few things that are common, you know, but still as a whole, if you see it's different. So I did, as I told you, I didn't know I was doing product marketing. Uh, all I wanted was a marketing job because I was really passionate about marketing. And right, even when I was a kid, I love selling. I love marketing, like anything. So I always knew I need to be either a seller or a marketer. I know that's where my strength was. So I was just looking for a marketing job. And being in Chennai, you have a lot of software companies. So <laughs> uh, there was this really huge organization called Zoho. So uh, they changed my life because almost, I think every company uh, that I was looking for at that time wanted an M- MBA degree, at least at the entry level, uh, especially when you don't have like a prior experience, like it is very common to, to expect you to have an MBA degree. But I didn't have an MBA degree at that point. But uh, fortunately, this company uh, was okay with it. And they had their own interview process and everything. And if you clear that interview process, they would hire you. And luckily, uh, you know, I heard about this company through my friend. And uh, I there were like 700 people in the room, I think, probably a little more or probably a little less. I didn't think I had any chance. Uh, <laughs> but luckily... I did get shortlisted and uh, I started working and I was working for a Zoho Finance. And yeah, so that's how my journey into product marketing started. Great. That's interesting. So you said that every company defines product marketing a little bit differently. So I'm curious now, it's been more than six months since your new role. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about how your new company defines product marketing. Is it different? So when they first told me about how their product marketing is structured, like I was super excited. In fact, it was like, okay, I really have to join and see how this works, right? So product marketing role in Envision is structured very differently. So it's completely integrated within the product team, which means product marketers are involved right from the initial phase of uh, product development. Like you get to be the part of discovery, user research, and even before that, you're even part of discussions on whether or not to develop the feature. 
So as a result, you get to contribute with market insights and competitive intel in the product team at a much earlier stage. Interesting. So at your previous company, Freshworks,、uh, product marketing sits within the marketing function. Now it's inside the product function. So personally, as a product marketer, tell me which one do you prefer? I definitely prefer this because everybody gets to share their perspective: the designer, the software developer, the product manager, and the product marketer. We all sit together and share our perspectives, brainstorm on how do we need to approach a solution.、Uh, I was part of the discovery phase. I spoke to customers, and I even test prototypes along with the designer and see how customers are responding to it. It's a whole new perspective I get. Right from the product side, and you don't have to wait for the PM to come and tell you how long we are on the product, and you are you're tagged in the GitHub issues, and、uh, I think that's definitely empowering and very、uh, satisfying because you get to、uh, share your competitive、uh, intel and market insights when it can actually influence the product. Because usually, I've only done in terms of a sales enablement activity. But being able to think and change your cap in terms of、uh, contributing these insights within a product team when a feature is being developed, and that's the best part. And I think it's a dream come true for a lot of product marketers who want、uh, to be more involved with the product and influence how it's getting shaped. And it's truly exciting so far. So that's what's really exciting for me and for my role here at Envision. Great, great. Thank you for sharing. So after a few years in the product marketing,、yeah. so for you, what do you find most exciting about product marketing? So,、uh, in fact, just before my job at Zoho as a product marketer, I was doing cold calling and customer relationship management kind of thing. And I've done a lot of sales a little bit, so because of that, I get a lot of kick out of revenue generation, right? That gives me a lot of kick. Coming from a sales background and literally cold calling people, it was really interesting and it completely changed my view that without talking to customers, you can still influence their mind, right? Yeah.、Uh, yeah. That was very interesting for me because coming from a sales background, I can never imagine that was possible because I always talk to customers, call them. And the fact that you can actually even influence them、uh, without talking to them, either through website, landing page, onboarding, was a really a huge、uh, experience for me, and I found it absolutely interesting. And I I'm still loving it even more and more as I do it. So that's what's more interesting. For me. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> I agree that that's the magic about product marketing. Right. Yeah. So,、um, before moving to Germany, you were based in Chennai, India. Just out of interest, can you tell us a little bit what is the product marketing scene in Chennai? What does it look like over there? So in Chennai, the product marketing scene is huge.、Uh, like I'm sure、uh, you know, a lot of you would know about Zoho, about Freshworks, which has recently even filed for an IPO. So there are a lot of up and coming and very very successful SaaS companies in Chennai. And I think at least. So far as I know, product marketing is very popular in SaaS space. So you have a lot of learning、uh, opportunities to do product marketing and be a product marketer and experiment stuff. So I think that's how even I got into product marketing because I was in that city and I was looking for just a marketing job. But luckily,、uh, it happened to be product marketing. So it's pretty good in Chennai for product marketers、uh, today. That sounds exciting. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Now that moving to Germany, 
a European country compared to your previous experience in product marketing.、Um, did you notice any differences in the product marketing? Yeah, so one major difference is definitely、uh, the language, right? That goes without saying, because even when I was working in India, I was primarily working for the U.S. market, so English was one of the primary language that we all were using. But in Europe, I largely I see that、uh, it is highly helpful if you also have a deep understanding of the European market, and it's more important. To also have a deep understanding of the country you're in, and English does not always is a primary language in all of the European countries. They all、uh, very much focus on their own native language, like、uh, French or German. So having an expertise in these specific languages is definitely one of the major ask.、Uh, that's in terms of the language.、Uh, but otherwise, I think a lot of interesting startups, especially SaaS startups, are coming up in Europe as well, and they want really, really great kick-ass product marketers who really understand this. And I think having an English knowledge and having a combined Knowledge about the local market and the language, any specific European country you'd be working would be like a killer combo. If you have both, I think you can do a fantastic job of marketing,、uh, coming up with great messaging、uh, for, for the local European market and as well as the global、uh, market as well. And that's where I think I am、uh, also moving towards, like being a, like a global product marketer of sorts. But for, to do that. Uh, from European perspective, you need to also pay a little attention, if not more, on learning and understanding the individual European market as well. Great. So、um, now let's talk about product adoption. Yeah. What is the purpose of a product adoption, in your opinion? So, and why is it important to have a product adoption program? Yeah. So that's the. Irony, I think. I think it's pretty obvious why product adoption is important because that's what, at the end of the day, without a reasonable amount of adoption, I don't think any company can grow. But actually, if we go and survey all those companies and say if they have a dedicated product adoption department or a product adoption role,、uh, I'm not sure. It's mostly, I think, product managers usually keep track of it. But I think at the end of the day, that's where the true success lies. So. The more you track product adoption, so the more deep dive into your pro users and you learn more about them and what's making them get back to your product. I think those insights are definitely going to be highly valuable to drive a lot of other future endeavors, be it roadmap or like be it a, like a marketing campaign or a be it your positioning. It's going to help in every way possible. So concentrating on adoption not only helps you improve adoption, but also like it sort of contributes to the entire cycle of product management or、uh, the whole from ideation to、uh, delivery to then product lifecycle. Yeah. Well,、um, you were you mentioned that you were in a product、uh, adoption program in your previous company. Then what was your role there, and then who were you working with? Yeah. So. It was very interesting when I came across this role, right? Like I never really thought that was even considered. Like product marketers having a specific role in adoption was really curious for me, and and when I did get the job,、uh, I was super excited. And it's one of the pretty、uh, new roles for the company as well. If I have to tell you what I did in my role is product adoption can be like first there is. The customers or the users has to discover the feature. There is a discovery part where they have to or be aware of that particular feature. You can call it discovery awareness, and then there is using it. And then you also want them to use the right way, and then you want to keep them coming back and. 
and you know, and then you see you sort of see how they're using it and for what all purposes they're using it, and then drive insights from there and then take things forward. For the discovery and the awareness part of it, so I worked with product managers and uh, salespeople and a lot of cross-functional teams to come up with an ideal onboarding flow, mm. especially if your product is a lot self-serve. Also, sometimes onboarding has a direct impact on how customers start off with your product. Starting from the onboarding where the customers discover the features, like what are the features they are getting exposed to? Uh, what are the features that they immediately will start using, which increases stickiness and stuff? Yeah. And also from uh, cross-promoting the feature inside the app. So they're already using a package, and but we have evolved. So this, this is one of the problems that a lot of companies have because when they started out, they started as something and they have all these legacy customers using that plan. But the product has evolved uh, much more than what it was like five or six years, seven years ago. So, but still there might be a lot of these legacy customers who are not aware of how much the product has to offer. And, and also you still want to keep uh, cross-promoting your other features, like, you know, in a contextual way, it shouldn't be in a way that you're trying to keep selling them inside the product. Doesn't sh it shouldn't be that way, but contextually helping them discover that this is going to make their life easy. So basically contextually promoting features inside the app and, and designing the onboarding flow. So these were the, some of the things that I worked on for adoption and see how this is important impacting the overall adoption in the sense. Also, uh, another major product that I really enjoyed working was the adoption dashboard itself, because for a long time, product adoption numbers was something that product managers had uh, access to, and they probably would see it every quarter or whenever there is a review or there's some presentation, maybe then they pull out those numbers and look at those numbers. I'm not sure how is it in every company? But uh, the idea was to, you know, come up with metrics that influence product adoption and make sure that all the teams across the board are aligned on these metrics that influence product adoption. And then coming up with a dashboard that is understandable, especially by marketing teams and product teams, so that we are always on top of adoption numbers. We know that, okay, these are the customers, these are the industries they are from, and this is how each industry is using each feature. What kind of users are using your products in a way that you want them to, who are not, then discuss and come up with campaigns or ideas as to how to bridge that gap. So that was what I was doing as a product marketing manager, focusing on adoption. Yeah, that's very interesting. So um, were you working with a customer success team? Yes, of course. I was working with customer success team a lot, especially for the onboarding uh, process, because the customer success team are involved a lot with the onboarding process as well. So, And even after, the, once the sale is done, and either the account managers or the customer success managers, they are the ones who are still in touch with the customers. So basically product marketing as such is a very cross-functional role, uh, but focusing on adoption, it became even larger than it is. Like it was across the board, right? Like customer success, account managers, sales, BDRs, product managers, the C staff, like everybody were aligned on what was really interesting project to work on. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. So um, for companies who don't have cloud-based products, are there any differences in leading the product adoption program? Yeah, so, so the products we use is uh, pretty much comes in the execution part, right? So how do we approach the adoption? What kind of data points you look at? And how do you then 
derive insights from the data points and then how to use those insights to drive the adoption remains the same right where either you can get that through a cloud app or you can use like a customer onboarding or a product communication apps that are cloud based or if your product is not a cloud based app then i'm sure that you will have an internal team that has a data for example some of the companies that i worked for had an internal data team their full time job is to consolidate all these user information have the data and they have their own inbuilt board which is very custom to their company and then you look at these information from that so whether it's a whether or not it's a cloud based product or a server based product or how do you gather this information is something you need to figure out based on your company setup but what information do you look for right like in terms of segregating these users in terms of industries in terms of countries in terms of different product tiers and then seeing uh, trying to derive a pattern uh from the usage that they're having uh by profiling them and then doubling down or and then or expanding is pretty much common to whatever tool or what kind of tool you're using right so that strategy remains pretty much uh you know still relevant irrespective of its cloud based or server based how do you measure the success of product adoption what are the metrics that we can be uh looking at So I think it differs from the nature of the company and the industry but I think one of the common things which I think would probably fit for most of the companies is like you can bucket your users right like least used averagely using and most using or pro users and then you have a list of customer and you have like a percentage of customers under mm-hmm. each of these buckets as and when you do your awareness campaigns like be it a new onboarding flow or be it any app promotion that you design or in app upsell that you had designed or a webinar that you conducted to spread awareness of a new feature so you can see how th- these buckets are behaving right the more people come into the pro bucket i think that would be the ultimate goal so that's how i think it's one way to look at it yeah do you say if there is any like common pitfalls or wrong metrics that people been looking at but it doesn't really drive the outcome absolutely so i, I think there are plenty of such things but like just from my uh, limited experience like what i observe is that uh, we often think if we have a lot of mm. daily active users or monthly active users then you know that's a good indicator of product adoption but uh, it's it's actually not just logging in doesn't just say much so you need to start off with some sort of a segregation like so i think you can start off with pro users and then go on with obviously you'll also be interested with the least used people so you need to see how exactly they're using the product like what activities are they doing and why are they doing these activities and why have they not explored those activities if the reasons are not very obvious you obviously uh, even if it's obvious actually uh, you go and talk to the customers and ask them questions so i think to truly understand how customers are adopting your product so you need to read all of these aspects each of their activity that they're doing in the product and also go back to your customers and ask questions and confirm your assumptions you might have connected your dots in a way but you still want to go talk to the customers and yeah. see what they're saying as well so this what will give you an actual true picture of what's going on in the adoption side a lot of people i have seen that you know they they might just look at the monthly active users and daily active users assume that this is what their adoption rate is or something but i think you should go 
way, way deeper than that. Yeah, because sometimes it's just numbers, doesn't paint a real picture how they're interacting with your product. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. Yeah. Let's dive a little bit into this new thing, product-led growth. <laughs> it has been very trendy, right? Product yeah. itself is actually acquiring growth and retaining the users themselves. So they attract adoption on their own, basically. So in your opinion, what makes products drive their own adoption? So I don't know if there is anything like driving the adoption on the own. You need to pay attention and study, drive insights first, and then, you know, do things to affect certain metric. And I think only then it works. What I can say is definitely if I'm as a product marketer, if I want to drive growth through product itself, then definitely product adoption metrics uh, the users, they are definitely a great place to look at to get some useful insights. Because what happens is uh, when you are completely on top of your pro users, what kind of pro users you are and how customers are using your products and what about your product is making them come back, then you will obviously have a better clarity on what on your roadmap should be and you will have better uh, idea about what your next feature should be. And that definitely in turn would help in driving adoption on an ongoing basis. So it will be like an imbibe thing. So you don't have to like separately go and look at your adoption. But once you are aware of what's working in your product and who your pro users are and what's really making them come back, and this knowledge itself would uh, enable you to make better decisions in terms of uh, roadmap and also targeting the right customers because you will also know who your niche audience are. So all of these in turn would definitely lead to better adoption on its own, if that's what you mean. Yeah. So I think that way, I think it's possible. But product-led growth, I don't think it's like a very complete concept. Like it's possible, but I think there is still a lot more to it. I think or anybody who wants to do more of product-led growth should definitely, I think, focus on the adoption metrics would definitely help them, you know, do that. So how can product marketing contribute to the improvement in product adoption, in your opinion? I think a lot of product marketers are already doing a lot of stuff that will help them get there. But I think one thing which most of them might not be looking is the product adoption metrics if they're not. Like, at least from, as of I know, it's not something very common. So this could definitely help them connect a lot of dots and help them in driving that product-led growth or making the product contagious on its own. And because when you are aware of these insights, you're also going to get all the other products in line with this. And then it's going to translate into your positioning. It's going to translate in your go-to-market. It's going to translate into your marketing campaigns. So that way, I think uh, it could possibly make the product contagious on its own. Yeah, yeah, great. So um, we're coming to the end of our time here. Uh, do you have any final thoughts to the fellow product marketers on the product adoption? <laughs> See, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people do this, even they're not like a product marketer specialized in adoption. I'm sure mm. some of the mar product marketers would be already looking into all of these metrics and stuff. But if you're not, then I think it's a gold mine of insights. We shouldn't miss out on that at all. So what I'm trying to say is it's okay if you don't have a specific program or a specific role for adoption, but still uh, know these metrics and have these insights. So go talk to your product managers, get all usage metrics from them, look at it, and that's going to make a lot of difference in how you do product marketing in the future. So it did for me. So yeah, if you're already doing it, great. <laughs> That's great. So uh, thank you for coming to the show today. Thank, thank you, Jinaki. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning into This is Product Marketing, brought to you by Product Marketing Hive. 
a product marketing community that gives back. Check out our website, productmarketinghive.com, to join our community, meet fellow product marketers, and access free resources, including training, playbooks, templates, and events. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe and give a five-star rating on the platform of your choice. See you next time.